millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast, and we are back. It has been, admittedly, a long time since we've put out new episodes of this show. During that time, my family welcomed our second kid, the writers and actors' strikes shut down Hollywood and are now thankfully resolved, and something called Barbenheimer happened. I don't know, I wasn't really paying attention. Anyway, I am so grateful to all of the listeners who stuck with us over these past several months along with those who discovered us while we were putting out archive episodes with this year's Emmy nominees. And for anyone who is joining us today for the first time to hear my second conversation with the comedian who I first sat down with on this podcast back in the summer of 2019, Whitney Cummings. Back then, Whitney was here to talk about her Netflix special, Can I Touch It?, which was one of the first stand-up hours to really examine the early days of the Me Too movement. Four years later, Whitney has a new special called Mouthy, which premieres today on a very different streaming service, OnlyFans TV. It's on that, quote, safe-for-work arm of the prominent porn platform that Whitney has also been picking up the celebrity roast mantle from Comedy Central, first with a roast of her friend and fellow comic Burt Kreischer, and more recently one in which she made herself the primary target. Here's a clip from Mouthy, in which the pregnant comedian talks about why it's probably a good thing she waited so long to have a baby. The crazy thing is that when you're 35 as a woman, they start calling your pregnancy geriatric. How, which is so messed up. I had this 70-year-old male doctor tell me I was having a geriatric pregnancy. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry that I waited till I was a mature adult to get pregnant. I'm sorry that the appropriate age for women to get pregnant in the medical community is at prom in a toilet. I, I am so glad that I waited to get pregnant. If I had got pregnant even a year earlier, I would have sold the baby for Taylor Swift tickets. So this is like best case scenario. It's so annoying that we're at our most fertile when we're at our dumbest. Like I've never met an 18 year old girl and been like, you would make an amazing mom. I hear it's great for the fetus when the mother ingests a Tide Pod for a TikTok challenge. This is... First of all, Congrats on the on the upcoming baby. Um, I, I feel like it's you must be it must be any day now, right? It is yes, about three weeks. But I get any day now because <laughs> you were I think seven months pregnant in your special, um, and yeah, and there's been some time since then. Um, you know, I'm hoping that it doesn't happen during this podcast, although that would make for some good news. I, so uh, I, you know, I, I am Whitney Cummings makes. <laughs> crowns a beast on the daily beast let's come up with that head- headline right now you wrote it for me that's perfect <laughs> i'll tell you i'm just back from paternity leave for my second kid so if you have any uh if you have any you know need any advice or have any questions uh, i'm here for you all of it honestly people keep saying like <laughs> I, like do you need any advice i'm like i don't even know what to ask so i really appreciate when people give me unsolicited advice because they're like so when you're wiping the baby, make sure that you keep the diaper on first so they don't pee in your mouth. That's a big thing, yeah. With boys, yeah. 
I never would have thought, like, how do I get him to not pee in my mouth? I wouldn't have known to even ask that. Yeah, I think the answer is that you can't. There's no way to stop it. You're going to get peed in, pee in your mouth. I feel so like just... I've gotten this far in Hollywood without <laughs> any producers peeing in my mouth, and now it's going to be my own spawn. Humbling. Yeah, I mean... which is, it's better, I think. It's your own, you know, flesh and blood. It's not just some stranger. I guess my main thing is how has it changed you like like immediately was I already felt like as soon as I got pregnant this immediate emotional maturity that came over me in this clarity whereas like being a stand-up comic I don't have to tell you this like you see our antics like you can stay immature forever and you'll get rewarded for it you can keep being a hot mess and being in bad relationships and, and actually as a comedian the more bad decisions you make sometimes the more material you have <laughs> yeah there you, you go. get you get rewarded for having terrible judgment and I'm excited for sort of uh, being between a rock and a hard place and not being able to do that. I'm excited to have to be more careful and clever. And, um, and I now have this little voice in the back of my head now that I'm, you know, after this, I just did my sixth special and I'm already writing new stuff. And I'm like, Oof, I really want when my kid is 12, 13, 14 to not be bullied on the schoolyard because I'm his mom. He, he's already going to have the last name Cummings. But <laughs> I do think in this way now where I'm like, I want him to be proud that I'm his mom. So I'm not going to do that joke. I'm going to do this joke. You know, mm, it's, yeah, it's you're almost. Already, you're already getting censored by your kid. He's not even here yet. God damn it. I know. It's like <laughs> God, the, set, the First Amendment just goes out the window. Um, when you have a kid, I want him to be proud to be my kid. I don't want to be an embarrassment to him. Like, is there an instant thing that kind of comes over you in the way that you see the world when this thing comes out? Yeah, I think the way that I've thought about it most is like a, it's just like a major priority shift. Like you just instantly go from only thinking about yourself to barely thinking about yourself at all. And that's a, I, I think that's a positive thing. It can be. Thank God. I'm so sick of myself. Jesus Christ. The like the relief from the narcissism. Yeah, of... that's that's a, that's a key element. Yeah, that and lack of sleep. You just have to get really used to never sleeping and uh, be OK with that. I don't know how you are with that, but I don't handle it very well. I know it's interesting for me because it's I, I also didn't notice that I was pregnant for two months. I found out at 10, 10 weeks and people were like, how did you not know? Like, weren't you nauseous? Weren't you tired? I was like, once you've toured Saskatchewan, <laughs> you're uh, always nauseous and tired. I'm a, exactly. I'm a female comic. So it's like a lot of the stuff was just like, you know, being pregnant is actually way more comfortable than, the, you know, look, I sat in a middle Southwest seat for 14 years, <laughs> like, you know, like making th three connections to Pensacola, you know, so. So I, um, it's not been too tricky, but I do, you know, stand up comics, our schedules are kind of the similar to toddlers. <laughs> like we sleep, we <laughs> sleep two hours at a time, go to bed at four in the morning, cry at 6am to 7am. Like I feel like me and this child are going to yeah, have a lot, you'll, lot be, you'll have a lot in common. Yeah. Um, well, if you're before your baby starts censoring you, maybe that's why you got it all out on this special, uh, on mouthy, you decided, you know, just put it all out there. Maybe, maybe. Uh, yeah, I do think this special was, you know, definitely a little, maybe it just was, you know, this was the first special that I wasn't writing a special. So after that, I was like, okay, I've done five specials. We're in this place where everyone's like, you can't say this, you can't say that. I don't buy it. I don't think that's true. I think there's like 2000 people on Twitter that are just the loudest and we're amplifying it in our heads and saying it's everybody. After the pandemic, when stuff was rescheduled, I did 90 cities in like a year and 
I feel like comedy fans are, you know, more eager than ever to watch people take risks and they want comedians to go for it. And that's what we do. So I was kind of like just writing for the road. I was just writing for comedy venues and it was kind of a lot of different things. And, you know, talking about the trans issue and stuff like that, I was like, I can't ever put this in a special, you know, I'll get in trouble, I'll get torn apart, you know, whatever. And then, um, so everything I talk about in there wasn't ever meant to be filmed. I was like, let me just do stand up to do stand up and stop thinking about it as this end product of selling a special. Let me just have like a, a creative freedom and write what I want to write about. And I'll write a special later after I have a kid or something. And then OnlyFans TV, which I, um, I'm sure you remember the Comedy Central roasts that, that's that's kind of part of like how I started. It's sort of the Super Bowl of comedy, sort of the when everyone says the wildest shit they can possibly say, you know, I did Joan Rivers, I did Donald Trump. Um, and then those went very out of fashion for, you know, when people started getting scared of saying certain words and no one was bringing the roast back. And I was like, what we need is a good roast. You know, once a year we do this bloodbath catharsis. We say the most horrifying things. We make the 9-11 joke. We make the Israel joke. Like when everyone just goes, like just the mass catharsis and comedians kind of sacrifice themselves to just make sure the First Amendment is still intact. Everyone's asking me why I would sign up for this. Everyone thinks I'm insane. They're like, isn't that going to hurt your feelings? I'm a female comedian, okay? This has been a lovely day off. Only eight people making fun of me at once. I start my day looking at my phone, seeing 25,000 people telling me to kill myself, okay? I would have had more downtime if I was a witch in the 1800s. I used to get bummed out that female comics get so much hate, but now I'm kind of proud of it. I feel like I'm doing America a service. Do you know how many more school shootings there would be if incels couldn't call me a busted cunt on Reddit all day? (laughs) Female comedians are American heroes, all right? Calling me an unfuckable cunt on YouTube is the only reason any of Tim Dillon's fans haven't blown up a federal building. Did you feel like like OnlyFans was the was the place that could do that in a way that Comedy Central, had they sort of abandoned the the roasts and that and moved away from it and, and yeah. needed a new home? Yeah. Again, to me, yes. And, you know, we had rules, you know, like it was OnlyFans TV was incredible because they were like, we're not going to give you any notes. We're not going to censor you. Make it as long as you want. Make it as short as you want. We're going to trust the artists. Like we're going to let the experts do what they we will do what we do. You do what you do. And I really appreciated that. And um, But we did have rules in the room. And it wasn't so much about silencing or censoring. It was more about, let's make sure that this is, like, fresh. I do think it's on comedians to level up and always just be more sophisticated and more clever than everybody else. It was, like, no saying men have small dicks, no actual racism, no actual homo... No saying that 40-year-old women are old and busted. And, like, if you can find the most clever joke that I've never heard with that theme, we'll talk. Well, I think the the roast got very much like there were, there was one thing like I remember talking to some comedians about like women were either you know sluts or old and that was the only two options for women at the roast like that. Kind if of I'm thing. so if I'm so old and ugly and unfuckable, why are all of you flirting with me backstage trying to sleep with me? Like let's just commit. And I've been a writer on those things, you know. I know what it's like. You're you're in there and you're just going for people's appearance. You're going for their career, you know. And the way that they get written, I want to make sure the way that we made it was just very different than the way that they made it, you know, because you also start losing time. I mean, there's this wild story where it was the Bob Saget roast I was a writer on. That was the one that had the famous Norm set where he did all the like 
corny jokes and one of the funniest things I've ever seen, but that we had Artie Lang. And so we had written, everyone had pages and pages of jokes of Artie Lang. The morning of the show, we find out that he had attempted suicide, couldn't make it, right? So everyone's got their Artie Lang chunks. They've got 10 Artie Lang jokes. We've Artie Lang. So that morning, it's about scrambling for someone that could fit the same joke. Someone that was... Which is like kind of fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> so we're calling Louis Anderson. We're calling Patrice, Patrice O'Neill available. You know, calling all uh, Ralphie May, whoever was alive at the time. All these people are dead. That's so depressing. And then it, Jeff Garland was the clo- the only person that could do it. He had just lost like 80 pounds. Oh, God. That's looked at me, And like every joke was like, Cloris Leachman was like, oh, I didn't realize there was a beanbag chair. Over- oh, sorry. That's Jeff Garland. Like it was like. Just yeah, because he, did he know that he was there to, to replace for that purpose? I, I think he. I'm sure he did, but the yeah, jokes. But were maybe just he a, didn't realize like that people were just going to use the same jokes. I, he. I mean, he understands. He's a pro. Yeah, you know, some yeah, had to yeah, get cut. Yeah. But we're all just like scrambling to you know sub in, and he all of a sudden he's the obese guy, even though he's really not that fat. I'm the slutty. I'm the slutty whore. Yeah, that looks everyone like has Mar- a role to play. You know, and then it was like, I mean, Sarah Silverman really elegantly, I think uh, maybe it was on Kumail's podcast back in the day after she did the Franco roast. She talked about how it was like, like, it was like she was like an old bag. Like that yeah, was her. She, she was, was like, like 40. Yeah. And, was and like, she looks, she looks yeah, 22. It's yeah. like, it was just like box checking comedy, which whatever at the time, fine. That was also before, like, you know, we're also at a point where it's like, I'll look at 10 memes a day that are actually hilarious. And I'm like. Okay, comedians aren't the only funny people out there. Like someone that works in accounting at H&R Block or whoever's making these, like it's on us to step up and be, you know, more clever and more original and and braver. And so that's what we really tried to do with um, with the roast. It was one was with Burt Kreischer and one was with me. And, um, you know, did that on OnlyFans had, uh, TV, had such an amazing experience with them. And they were like, do you want to do our first stand-up special? So all this material that I've been doing in the clubs that I would have been very scared to do, on like Netflix or anywhere else. I was like, all right, let's let's do this. Coming up, Whitney's newfound freedom on OnlyFans meant she got to spend a good amount of her new special discussing America's obsession with trans people. But why is she and so many other comedians so fixated on that issue? We'll try to get to the bottom of that and more after the break. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss
If you're enjoying this episode and want to hear more, please make sure you are following The Last Laugh wherever you get your podcasts. By subscribing to The Last Laugh, you can listen to our previous episode with Whitney Cummings, as well as conversations with other comedians who first broke out on the Comedy Central roasts, like Nikki Glaser and Natasha Leggero, along with everything else from our free archive. And you'll be the first to hear new episodes when they drop every Wednesday. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review on Apple and Spotify to let us know how much you love the show and who you want to hear next. Now, back to Whitney Cummings. So you've talked a little bit about how you felt like they've given you more freedom than maybe other platforms would have. You know, you've worked with Comedy Central, HBO, Netflix. I would say especially Netflix is now actually kind of known for being open to pretty much anything. Um, do they do they censor comics? Are there things in this special that you couldn't have said on Netflix? I don't think so, honestly. I mean, from what I understand and from what we were all able to ascertain, Dave Chappelle's saga about having those trans jokes made it the most watched special in history. <laughs> so yeah, which is kind of I, counterintuitive <laughs> to the idea that like you can't say anything or you can't or that you're going to be canceled or punished for saying certain things, right? Yeah, the people that try to cancel us are usually just our biggest publicists. They just don't understand that they're, like, helping us. Louis C.K. is bigger than ever. Shane Gillis is bigger than ever. Joe Rogan, every time they try to cancel him, his his viewership goes up, like, 20%. I mean, it's just like, it's, you know, so try to cancel me, guys, please. If there is something that stands out as, as uh, material that you could do there that required this extra freedom, I think it is the stuff about um, trans people, which... Uh, you know, we've seen so many male comedians weigh in on that, but really not a lot of female comedians. So I was really interested to just sort of see your take on it. But how did you want to approach it differently? And why did you want to spend a, a good chunk of your special on that issue? <laughs> By the way, and I cut like 15 minutes out. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I did have like 45 minutes of the trans thing. It's like half the special, basically. It really is. To me, I've always made fun of everyone, you know, which is our job as comedians. And to go, I'm not going to make fun of this group. That to me feels patronizing and like you can't handle it and you're made of glass and it's accusing people of not being smart enough to understand nuance and have a sense of humor. Like I have a lot of trans friends. They have some of the best sense of humor. You have to have a sense of humor if you're trans and you go through life like, you know, being ridiculed and having to defend yourself and getting bullied, you know. And again, I saw, I was like, oh, just like, to me, it's not men versus women, trans versus men, trans versus non-trans. It's it's the people that are addicted to self-righteous indignation, men, women, trans, gay, dry, whatever, versus the ones that aren't, you know? So to me, I saw, I started going, oh, like, I feel like very few trans people are speaking for everybody. And it's the most annoying um, self-righteous indignation addicts who just want to like fight with people, you know, the same way when people are like, Me Too is happening. I mean, all women are just going to accuse men of raping them if you hug them at the office party. I'm like, hold on. That's <laughs> not true. Okay. So to me, I also found it found it very weird that it was all men weighing in on it too. Cause I was like, they're not, they're taking our trophies. They're taking our sports. Like why they're taking <laughs> If anyone they're, should they're, be mad about this. <laughs> yeah. Like let, if someone's going to be mad, it should be us. So let me handle this. And I think that I, I just found it very funny that, you know, when you see trans people be like, well, men don't believe me. And I'm like, yeah, welcome to womanhood, bitch. I'm literally at the point where I'm like, do we just let these bitches play? I mean, was women's sports going so well? 
that's such a profitable business model. God forbid we sell one fucking ticket. God forbid every one dunk in a game. I'm allowed to joke about this. I'm a female comedian. It's the same as being in the WNBA. So I thought it was an interesting way to do some commentary around that and like an angle that I hadn't seen. If I couldn't find an angle that no one had seen, it would just feel exploitative and like trying to talk about, talk talk about something popular or something incendiary for no reason. But um, I started going out and and doing it and... um, and people just like lost their minds. And because I, I like, I hope it's, you know, we'll see. I'm sure people, a lot of people will be pissed off or try to take things out of context on purpose. Or, you know, some people just go to watch comedy to figure out how to be offended. They're just yeah. waiting. To, well, I was curious if how- you were worried about that. Because you said, you mentioned, you know, the guys who are getting quote unquote canceled are actually doing better than ever. But are you, are you worried about blowback or backlash or, or, or that kind of stuff or anything that you, that you say in the special? You know, comedians, like, look, it's like, it's, it's, I I can't make everyone like me. You know, I'm a female comic. I'm used to being polarizing before I even open my mouth. You know, it's, it's kind of, I think people are entitled to their opinions. If you don't think something's funny, that's totally fine. If you're offended by comedy, like, I actually kind of feel sorry for you uh, in a lot of ways because you can't just let go and, you know, and enjoy something that's meant to entertain you. Like, if I see a movie that I don't like, I'm not like take this movie off Netflix. I don't like it. I'm just like, oh, this wasn't for me. And I'll move it to another movie, you know? So anyone that feels the need to go like, I need to go tell this person they're not fun, you know, whatever is like, ooh, sounds like you're in a lot of pain. But also people that, comedy is meant for people that need it. It's an anesthetic. It's a distraction. It's a drug. I like to think of us as drug dealers. And if your life is going so well that you don't need this drug, you don't need anesthesia, like, I'm so happy for you. Like, you must have an awesome life. Like, most people, like, just want to forget their problems for an hour. They, you know, have jobs that they hate. They want to sit down, and they just have a vested interest in laughing. If you're sitting there going, like, like, we get it. You have a trust fund. You grew up in Connecticut. Like, your life is so good that you don't need comedy and I think that's I'm 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 like happy for you um you know but I think to me like what I love about I love disagreeing with people I love hearing a point of view that I wouldn't have heard otherwise like I love going like oh that's such a good point I never would have thought about it that way even if I don't agree with it you know um yeah there's 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 a great moment in the special where you kind of address the Chappelle thing and at first it seems like you're kind of giving him a pass but then you it really takes a turn She's like, Whitney, that's not funny. You can't make fun of us. This has been a hard year. Dave Chappelle made fun of us. Okay. Dave Chappelle, he's one of the best comedians in the world. Okay? He can say what he wants. Also, if you're upset about what Dave Chappelle said about trans women, wait till you hear what he's been saying about women. For the past 30 years. You're really going to lose your shit. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to be a woman, you got to get used to being ridiculed. You got to be used to not being believed. You got to get used to people saying that you're ugly. And I mean, uh, you got to get used to people talking shit about you and not respecting you and not taking you seriously. You do include a, a story in the special about a time that you apologized to a, a trans woman for, for your jokes. Is that 
based on a real experience or what, what was the, what was sort of the, the origin of that story? Yeah. That happened at the comedy store. It's like, look, no one becomes a comedian to hurt people's feelings. Like, no, we all just want to be loved by you. Like we all just want you to like us. We want to make your day. So I was doing a bunch of that stuff. Uh, uh, trans women. I, it really helped me though, because a lot of times after shows, trans people, drag queens will come up to me and they go, Oh, you know what you should include about that? Or like, you know what, you know why that's a little off. And I'd be like, Oh, thank you. Like there was, for that one yeah, person and without malice or without like trying to because, cancel you yeah because there's a lot of trans people that are like we need like people will like us more if we're made fun of and see that we have this sense of humor so for the one person i that was pissed and i apologized to there were so many people who like for example i have a joke about how men are afraid of trans women because they're afraid of being tricked that one, like people came up to me and they were like, you don't understand, like that's how trans women get like murdered. Like that is a very hot button topic. You've got to know what you're talking about. So it was actually really helpful to get feedback. Um, I really appreciated it. But this one person was just like, you think it's funny? And I just was like, I'm sorry. Like I really, I am fine apologizing for jokes. If I, it, I do not want to hurt you, I do think you might have shown up wanting to be offended but that's okay too i didn't do my job for you tonight it was it was my job to make you laugh for i mean it was a comedy store set so for 20 minutes and if you didn't like i'm so sorry i was talking about that on stage recently at a different comedy club and i was walking to my car and i hear behind me whitney you think it's funny that we get murdered and i'm like here we go about to get my ass kicked by a trans bitch i turn around she's waiting for me she's betty boop ready to fight me so you think it's funny that we get murdered? And I felt awful. Like, I felt terrible. And for the first time, I've been doing comedy 20 years. For the first time in my career, I apologized for a joke. Dead serious. I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm a comedian. I just want you to get everything that you have worked so hard for. I hope you get your heteronormative dream and find a straight man to marry you and move into a house and get murdered by your husband in 30 years like the rest of us. But either way, you're getting murdered. Like, that's kind of, you're getting, you're getting murdered. It's interesting that you that you said that you know that you apologize that you kind of changed bits based on feedback because there does seem to be a pretty big camp in the comedy world right now that is sort of like never apologize for anything, um, you know that they I'm not sort gonna of. Pub I'm not yeah. going to publicly apologize. Like it, that's a tricky one. I think it's a case by case basis. Um, but you just know, the fact that you think it's a case by case basis, I think, speaks to a sensitivity that maybe some other people don't have. But I think that what people are forgetting is that if you're coming to the comedy store and you're seeing comedians, you're seeing us work out new stuff. And when comedians, we succeed by failing. So you guys have to give us this feedback. Please, don't, if it's not funny, don't laugh because then I'm going to go make it better. And then I'm going to refine it. That's what was so annoying to me when that audio leaked of Louis C.K. when he was doing those like school shooter jokes. Remember back in the day? It was like in a club. It wasn't ready yet. It wasn't cooked yet. Like... Everything is that we talk about is going to be like offensive and rough and not there. And we're the first to say it. We're like, okay, that's not there yet. I said it wrong. Like I've been working on this bit about this is, it's so, it's such an old topic. You'll know how long I've been working on it. I've been working on this priests molesting kids bit for like 12 years. It's an evergreen topic, I'd say. I, it kind of is. Like every now and then there's a new thing and I'm like, oh, here's my way. I'll do, every, every special, I'm like, I'm going to put it in this special and then I bump it. Do you feel like all these issues and sort of the backlash that comedians get and, and has it affected your politics at all, like in terms of um, your feelings about censorship or, you know, sort of 
does it because I think it can this stuff can push people into a camp like if you get criticized enough you can be like you know what like I'm I'm gonna sort of turn on the sort of you know whether woke is kind of a cliche but like that side of things do you feel like it's made you at all more antagonistic towards uh the left or or anything like that I think the left has gotten antagonistic towards everyone <laughs> so so maybe it is interesting. I think that I think that I might not be answering your question perfectly, but I think that because I live in Los Angeles and I do the majority of working out new material in Los Angeles, um, I do think it's made me eye roll more at the left and see that the left has, to me, in a lot of ways, when it comes to speech, because that's what we're talking about, become um, unrecognizable. Because it used to be the party of free speech. It used to be the party of tolerance. It used to be the party of, um, you know, uh, we criticize or at least are suspicious of big pharma, you know. And I sort of, when you associate Los Angeles with being left and you're on stage at the improv or something and, you know, I kind of do this whole bit about my pregnancy being a vaccine injury because I am got pregnant naturally at 40 and they're kind of like, we get boosted every two weeks. And you're just like, really, guys? Like They don't want to hear anything uh, that could be conceived as anti-vax. Really, guys? Like, I got the Johnson & Johnson. I was first in line with the company that had to pay off $9 billion in giving ovarian cancer to women from their baby powder. And you're like, let's inject whatever. Like, <laughs> I did it, you know? And um, so to me, I probably am oftentimes when I'm performing because of where I perform, I'm exposed to a very extreme part of the left. So I do um, I do think that, that, you know, I mean, Bill Maher, I think, has said this. Roseanne said this years ago when I was working with her is the left has just gone so far, you know, that a lot of people that used to sort of be in the left now feel like they're kind of in the middle. But when it comes to speech you know, there is a lot of the left wants to silence people in a lot of ways. So I think I, comedians do find themselves, you know, criticizing that that part of the left, um, you know, but I do think that in their minds, they're doing it to protect people and to make the world safer. But that's I don't believe how the world is made safer. But I do I do find that people that probably would consider themselves more conservative these days have a better sense of humor for sure. Uh, so now I want to do our segment called the first laugh. So we're going to we're going to end with this uh, series of questions uh, starting with the first piece of comedy that made you laugh really hard as a kid that you can remember. Three's Company, John Ritter on Three's Company. Do you remember the premise of Three's Company? <laughs> yeah. He was pretending yeah. to be gay. Yeah, it was uh, pretty pretty out there for the times. So he could live with two women. So he'd be like flirting with them, like trying to sleep with them. And then Mr. Roper would walk in and he'd be like, hey, Mr. Roper. <laughs> like you look back Talk at about it now. A, yeah, a premise that probably wouldn't fly now. <laughs> I mean, you're like, what? He would like just pose all gay. There's also, um, I watch this like every, like, I don't know, like once a week uh, when I am have writer's block of John Ritter trying to get into a hammock on YouTube. <laughs> do, do yourself a favor. Um, do you remember the first time that you knew that you were funny, that you could make other people laugh? Oh, God. Um, honestly, probably... Oh, this is a hard one. I, 
My family was very rough on each other. Uh, a lot of really rough, passive-aggressive jokes. Like, our family is very much like Roseanne. Roseanne, the show of just barbing each other, barbing each other, barbing each other. And probably at, like, a Thanksgiving dinner table, like, I finally had to stand up and defend myself and insulted someone. Also, with the last name Cummings, you get bullied a lot, and you have to kind of, yeah, you, gotta figure you know. It out. Yeah, so it's probably, like, defending myself on the schoolyard type of thing. What do you remember about your late-night stand-up debut when you think about it? What comes to mind? Ooh, Spanx. Um, my late-night comedy debut was Last Call with Carson Daly, and I wore Spanx under my pants and cut my own bangs the day of, and it's all a blur after that. But, yeah, it was the first time. And then I remember trying to upload it to MySpace. <laughs> Which is something you had to do then, I guess. Yeah, back then. That was the whole thing. So, uh, so yeah, it was, yeah, and I was wearing uh, Velcro New Balance shoes because back then that's what I did to save time. I thought I would make, like... Oh, yeah, uh, you're, uh, you're uh, being efficient. Uh-huh. I was like, I got to get Velcro shoes because tying my shoes once a day, that's 10 seconds right there. Like, that's how <laughs> psycho I was trying to make it uh, back then. Yeah, maybe that's what did it. You saved that time, and that's why that's why you are where you are now. It's the secret to my success, baby. <laughs> so yeah, I remember my wardrobe being very ridiculous, and thinking if I was wearing Spanx, I would be more like alert or something. <laughs> I don't know. I I had all these fake stupid rituals back then, like superstitions. Do you remember the uh, first time you met one of your comedy heroes, and just the experience of of meeting them and what it was like? <laughs> This is going to get me in trouble. Um, the first time I met Ellen was at the People's Choice Awards. And uh, I think she thought I was a seat filler, which is totally fair. <laughs> and I was right behind her and she turned around and she like looked right at me for some reason. Um, like there were famous people kind of next. Like I was it was I was there for two broke girls and Kat Dennings was there and Michael Patrick King. So she probably knew them or something. And as soon as I saw her, I just kind of melted down because I was such a giant fan. I mean, El the Ellen sitcom is still one of my favorite. It's one of the most well-made sitcoms. Her specials are amazing, too. Her early genius, specials. genius. The go-gurt bit, the, the size of a quarter with the shampoo that when you're in public and you fall and you look back at it like, oh, you know, yeah, I love that. And the pop, the popcorn in the movie theater is my other favorite. One. Oh, just the bad. I can't, <laughs> I can't make it tonight. I just opened a yogurt. Like, you know, genius. And her sitcom is so brilliant. Like, because Friends started, it was really popular. Friends came on and started kind of eclipsing it, I guess, popularity wise. And she would make jokes in the sitcom about Friends. Like, oh, wow. there's an, I didn't realize that. Yeah, there was an episode where I think Janine Garofalo is on, and Janine was like, do you guys have, like, an almond latte? And she was like, we don't have those, but feel free to go down to Central Perk. That's where <laughs> everyone goes these days. Like, they're writing it in. Oh, there's, like, there's this episode where she has, like, a friend crush on Janine Garofalo. I think it was before she came out as gay in the gay episode, whatever, but, like, watching it back now, you're like, oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I remember this one specific joke where um, she's, like, awkwardly, like, around Janine Garofalo, and she's, like, um, she says to Janine, she's, like, do you want a uh, bite of my croissant? And Janine's, like, no, I'm good. And she just goes, how about now? <laughs> like, it's just so, so stupid and funny, and I just lo love that show. Anyway, so... She turned. I also legitimately have a lot of friends who probably didn't kill themselves and came were able to come out as gay because of that episode. Like you know, so she turns around. I see her, and I just 
panicked. And I like to think that I can play it cool around celebrities, but Ellen, I just, I just couldn't. And I just, I was like, I'm such a big fan. I love you so much. Thank you for all the, I'm just trying to sincerely say like, thank you for all that you have done. You're why I'm a comedian. I'm such a giant fan. So many of my friends were able to come out of the closet because of you. You're a hero. Like I just was like, and then she just went, Okay. And, <laughs> and turned around, which what? is like... I thought she's the nicest person in the, on the planet. What happened? I mean, <laughs> that's what I hear. And honestly, I don't blame her because I look back and I'm like, 30 people probably stop her a day and do that. It's probably so freaking annoying. And I got so embarrassed <laughs> that I started then saying my inner monologue out loud in a Southern accent. I started just being like, well, all right, I guess the show's going to start soon. And I think, and the people I was with were like, you're, you just broke, like your brain just broke and you can't, you're talking in a Southern accent right now. And I was like, yeah, well, I don't really know what we should do about it. Maybe I should just head out and, and, and sit somewhere else. Like it was, it like broke my brain. <laughs> And, um, and so, yeah, so I don't blame her for that, whatever, but that was pretty horrifying. And I've said, I did her show a bunch of times after that. And she, you know, (laughs) can you think of something in your career that you said no to that you now wish you had said yes to? Ooh, that's such a good question. Oh, it's such a good question. Um, I don't turn a lot down in case you didn't notice. (laughs) Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, there's a couple like movie auditions that are like I came really close on I like that I was like oh like I don't want to cancel tour dates for this and not not get it and I look back and I'm like oh that was such a big movie like maybe I would have gotten it but like you know for ex- I, like for example um yeah I don't remember um they must not have been that big <laughs> um uh like you know um god I would have to or like, the, or by the way, I I probably wouldn't have gotten them, but it was kind of like it. May, you know, you, you do took that yourself thing where, out of the running. Yeah, maybe it was that. Um, there's certain things that I'm like, could I have done that, and and it would have been fine. Like, I was offered Dancing with the Stars once, and I was like, oh, this is like, is my career over? Like, I think my career's over. They're offering me Dancing with the Stars. I was like 36. I was like, oh no, you know. And then, and then Nikki Glaser got it. And then you look back and you're like. <laughs> No one gives a shit. Like, if you're funny and you try hard, like, no one would have held it against me. People in Hollywood wouldn't even have known I was on it. But people in America would have been like, oh, look at her trying. I like her, you know? Like, um, it, like that kind of thing. But I don't, I don't think... I don't think I've turned down a ton. I think I turned down, like, having my own, like, serious, like, radio show back in the day. It just, like, wasn't time. Um... But maybe that would have been smart to do, you know. I definitely, I think probably the dumbest thing is is a self-generating thing is, like, not starting a podcast sooner. Because I was like, who who wants to listen to a woman talk for three hours? I've seen my YouTube comments. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, I based a lot of that decision on, like, oh, like, in the Reddit comments, men calling yeah, me. Yeah, like, an, fear an, of, of what, what, of sort of the, the negative side. But you didn't think as much about the positive side, I guess. And the perfectionism of, like, oh, no, like, everything I put out has to be, like, a laugh every 20 mm-hmm, seconds. Who mm-hmm. wants to hear people just sitting around having a boring conversation? Turns out a lot of people. Um, on the flip side, is there something you said yes to that you now wish you had said no to i mean i think that these are going to be more boring answers because it's more like like pilots and deals that ended up going nowhere 
because I was like, oh, there's a big celebrity involved or there's a big, you know, showrunner involved. And, you know, I've done like three pilots that, you know, didn't go that I put a year of my life into. And I probably, yeah, hashtag Alec Baldwin. Um, and <laughs> was that, do- was there was an Alec Baldwin show? Yeah, yeah, I had a project with him for a while, dodged a bullet. Um, <laughs> that's a good joke. Oh, oh. yikes, <laughs> yowzas. That yikes, you got is, me. Yikes is such a good name for a special. I have got to save okay. that for my yeah, next that's one. That's your next one. Yikes, you can <laughs> thank favorite, me. You just went. Oh, (laughs) Um, so funny. So, yeah, where you're kind of like, ah, it's like this. How can I say no to this? And you say yes, even though it already feels fraught in the beginning and you already kind of are like, oh, this is it's like a relationship. It's like if something's too hard in the beginning, if you're making a TV show or pilot, like it's always going to be hard. And when something is just like effortless and easy, that's usually those are the shows that go. And I just didn't listen to my gut on a lot of that stuff because I was like starstruck by people or like, oh, what are the chances? You know, like I don't regret doing Roseanne at all. Like I'm you know, it was really hard at the time, like the amount of shit I got for for doing it. But, you know, that was, you know, an awesome experience. Like when you and you knew when and you knew when to leave, too. Yeah, I think I think I did. I think I did. Um, finally, is there a story or memory from your career that really makes you laugh now, but really was not funny when it happened? <sighs> story from my career where it was not funny when it happened. I mean, oh God, recently I, I sometimes do these like corporate events, you know, where they ask, where they ask you to come like roast. What are they thinking? <laughs> what was I thinking? Because that too, it, that too. It, it was, but it, it's like these people that, you know, it's a lot of tech people. It's a lot of very rich. They, th- they think they want to be roasted. Well, Normally, I don't want to blame them entirely. Normally, they have a pretty good sense of humor about themselves when you have that much money and that much power. But recently, oh, I did one in like March. There was like a lot of Saudis there. Ooh, yeah. Not <laughs> oh, great. Oh. Yikes. <laughs> yikes. Yikes. And I'm kind of the kind of person, I just maybe am sometimes delusionally too fearless. And, you know, there was a little bit of an off limits list of like, here's who not to make fun of. Usually it's not the people you're making fun of that don't have the sense of humor. Everyone else is scared that they won't have one. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I well, start probably, in on this. Probably for good reason when it comes to the Saudis, you could be, you know, murdered or something. And I said, I was like, I'm not worried that I'm going to get murdered by the Saudis. Okay. I'm not a journalist. You guys, <laughs> it's fine. We're going to yeah, be that's fine. A good joke. I know. And I started going so hard and being like, you guys, we, the Saudis and us, we actually have a lot in common. Okay. I mean, a lot of people in this room just moved to a desert where women have no rights. It's called Texas. <laughs> um, and I just kept going and kept going. I'm like, I'm not afraid of the Saudi. I mean, the Saudis are actually a, a little more progressive uh, than Hollywood people. At least they wait till they die to have sex with virgins. <laughs> like, I just kept, like, going and going. And it just got worse and worse. And at the t- I, oh, and I look back and I can kind of, like, laugh about it. But at the time, I should I, – I just was going a little too hard. <laughs> So, yeah, so I wish I had, like, read the room a little bit better. Oh, and then I did do, um, hey, uh, Saudis, look. I think a lot of people would want to be, because they're buying golf. They're, they're, they're about to buy all of us. I mean, they're about to just add Hollywood to cart, so we better, like, 
you know, just acknowledge that it's happening. But I said something that was like, look, it seems like you really want to do business with Hollywood people. I, and I said, um, here's the thing. 9-11 was a setback. That was a big setback. Um, you know, you did a lot of damage because you made a comedian named Pete Davidson famous. And we will never <laughs> forget that you did that. Um, well, when they, when they buy Hollywood, I don't know if you're going to do very well in that, uh, in that system. Or they're going to be like, where's that girl that they were laughing? The fearless one, yeah. Yeah, they we need were her, laughing. Yeah. I was like, you know, so whatever. It was just, I don't know. To me, I think that sometimes, or, or I'm so in the trenches with comedians and the self-censoring. You know, people talk about censorship, but there's also a lot of self-censorship that happens just because we're scared. And I think I kind of take the stance that you guys, if comedians are scared, we're in trouble, you know, and it's our job to be fearless. It's our job to, you know, push back and sometimes say things that we don't mean or say things that we know are wrong and offensive just to make sure that we're not, you know, turning into some totalitarian country. Like I don't, this whole thing where free speech, it's only, I only believe in you having free speech if you agree with me. Like, I think that's a really scary place to be. And I think sometimes I go too far in the direction of like, it's on us to make sure everyone still has free speech. Like sometimes you can just go on stage and be funny and you don't have to be like a free speech warrior all the time. Um, and that was like back in March when I did that, I think I was just like martyring myself a little too much to go like, everyone should be able to make fun of everyone. This is America. Gosh, darn it. And now I look back and I'm like, Ugh. yikes, 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 hashtag <laughs> yeah. I love yikes. Ugh. Maybe we should rename this podcast yikes. I don't know. I kind now, of, now I'm, I'm wondering yeah. now. Yikes is so good. I'm writing it down. That's <laughs> such a great special title. All right. I look forward to Yikes and hopefully you can come back then to talk about it and we can uh, we can talk through it again. Thank you so much for having me, man. I really appreciate it. I hope I wasn't boring. Not boring at all. Thanks, Whitney. This was great. I'll see you soon. Thank you, sir. Thanks so much to Whitney Cummings for coming back on this podcast. And thanks to all of you for listening. You can stream her new special, Mouthy, exclusively on OnlyFans TV, which, for the record, is a separate streaming service from the OnlyFans you may or may not be familiar with. If you want to support The Last Laugh, please help us out by leaving a rating and review on Apple and Spotify. We want as many people to hear this show as possible, and you can help by spreading the word and sharing it with your friends. You can find me on threads at Matt Wilstein and at thedailybeast.com. And if you're not already, please follow at Last Laugh Pod on Instagram and threads where you can see photos and videos from all of our episodes and see who is coming up next week on the show. The Last Laugh is distributed by Acast for The Daily Beast with audio production by Jesse Cannon. Our theme music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find this show every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. 
So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.